Around the Rock is brought to you by the Score Bet. With easy to use navigation and a simple registration process, placing a bet, depositing, and withdrawing your winnings has never been easier. Download now on iOS and Android. Available in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, and New Jersey. Must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, contact 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. Visit thescore.bet for more details. Welcome to Pound the Rock, the Score's NBA podcast. My name is Joseph Cacharo, and special treat for myself and everybody else today. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, must be some crazy guest, big name guest. Well, you're half right. It's a big name, but it's not a guest. Because we got I mean, co-host, we got co-host Joe Wolf on in the house today. He he missed me and the Pound the Rock community so much. That after just one of the seven episodes he was supposed to take off, he's back. He's not going anywhere again. No, that's a lie. The truth is, I'm going to be recording another episode early next week, probably as early as Monday with a guest. But in the meantime, to tide us over for a few days, Wolfond reached out and said he wanted to do a short segment going off about a certain someone in the NBA who is fairly a big name. So Wolfond... Hope you've had a good couple weeks off. The floor is yours. Let us know what's going on. Well, yeah, I was sort of envisioning this as more of like a call-in situation where you were going to be doing the show. I was going to ring you up. And so I I had kind of like a call-in mentality. Like I was just going to come in hot. Like this, I got really hot under the collar, man. And um, I've calmed down a little bit since then, since I was texting you about it. But I've got to say, man, the, the, the LeBron charade during all-star weekend just rubbed me the wrong way and you know as well as anybody how much reverence i have for lebron james as we all do what he has done both on the court and off throughout his illustrious career but and i know like this isn't totally uh you know breaking with lebron's typical mo in terms of like the way that he likes to put the screws to whichever front office uh employs him or I don't know if that's even how you'd want to define the relationship between the Lakers and LeBron but I just thought like given the way that this Lakers season has gone given the fact that by all accounts you know LeBron was instrumental in orchestrating the trade that has been look it's not the only reason obviously that the Lakers are where they are unless like the front office bears a lot of responsibility for where the Lakers are at right now. And I, I'm not on here to be like a, an apologist for the Lakers front office. I'm really not like it, it burns me up that much more that I have to come on here and like defend them uh, because there have obviously been missteps. The way they filled out the back end of that, that roster was obviously substandard. The Caruso situation. I mean, I don't know if you want to put that on the front office. It seems more like that was an ownership decision, but also, if it was on the front office to decide whether they wanted to keep Caruso or Taylor Horton Tucker, I think it's pretty clear they made the wrong decision there. So there are any number of reasons that you could point to for why the Lakers uh, have, have scuffled uh, and find themselves, you know, clawing for a play in spot right now. But I just think for LeBron to have put on this public spectacle where he's like playing footsie with the Cavs, 
and going out of his way to lavish praise on Sam Presti and, you know, some strategic leaks, I guess there had been uh, some reporting that basically Rob Polinka felt LeBron and AD were like on board with the front office's inactivity at the trade deadline. And then, Oh, it trickles out from somewhere. Who knows, who knows who put that out there that actually no, LeBron and AD were very much not on board with that inactivity. And I just think from where I sit, obviously there's the fact that Again, I think there are many damaging moves, but the most damaging move by far was one that LeBron, by all accounts, strong-armed the front office into making, despite having watched James Harden do the exact same thing in Houston and seeing how disastrous the effects of that were for the Rockets franchise, decided to do the same thing, bring in Russell Westbrook, uh, and it proved to be a titanic mistake. And now it's like, I never understood this idea that the Lakers would even consider trading Westbrook and their 2027 first rounder to the Rockets for John Wall. Are you kidding me? Like that 2027 first round pick is the first pick that the Lakers can trade again after going all in, obviously for AD and then, you know, eventually getting Russ and they are in this position very much. So because of LeBron James, not on the court, but the, the way he wields his power over a team, over a front office. And again, fair enough. You know, you've you've earned the right to wield that power. But your track record in wielding that power from a personnel perspective is pretty terrible. Like, Juan James, you're one of the two greatest and maybe the greatest basketball player to ever walk this damn earth. Le GM, you might be the worst general manager to ever walk the earth. Like, And Le GM has, has held LeBron, the player, back again and seemingly wants the Lakers to kind of go down with them like they're not competing for anything this year okay they're four games under 500 ad's out till at least mid-march they have the western conference's toughest remaining schedule they're going to be lucky just to like play a home play-in game okay that's how dire things are not lay out right now they can't be a four they can't afford to also be further mortgaging their future to just go from russell westbrook to john wall are you like it's completely asinine I'm actually on Rob Polinka's side in this. I can't believe I'm saying this. Like that, those are the depths Le GM has plunged us to, where we're somehow defending Rob Polinka, who I think a couple of weeks ago I called the biggest fugazi in the NBA. Like it's it's just absolutely. And who was also apparently spotted at Disney World, just yes. just minding his own business. Yeah, on trade deadline on day. trade deadline day. Yeah. I don't know why he's at Disney World when him becoming a GM is already a, enough of a Disney story. Just to like go. Uh, I was going to say, like, go back and relive the the Mickey Mouse title that his team won. Wow. Obviously, that was Disney World, and Rob was at Disneyland. So. True, true. Um, but yeah, I think, and I don't know if it was, like, specifically uh, the the wall trade that, like, they wanted to see happen. Like, I just, I just never understood any of the reporting around that framework for a deal. Like, wall, on top of the fact that he would come with basically all of the same fit issues that Russell Westbrook comes with, right? You get... The same shaky shooting, the same struggles playing off ball, the same negligent defense. I mean, this it, also this guy hasn't played basketball in like a year. And the last time he played, he shot 45% from two-point range and 31% from three. Had a 50% true shooting uh, on like 32% usage. Like, I just don't see how that is solving any of the Lakers issues. And then you want to think about, 
okay, you know, going after somebody like a Harrison Barnes or a Jeremy Grant, doesn't seem like those deals were out there, right? Like there was all this smoke about the Lakers putting that poo-poo platter of uh, THT, Kendrick Nunn, and that 2027 first rounder out there and seeing if they could get any nibbles. And it just doesn't seem like they could. And even if even if that was enough to get Harrison Barnes in the door, like, is that meaningfully changing the outlook for this team? Like, this is not... And I'm I really don't say, think- like... I'm not sorry to say, actually, but like the, the reality is this team is not good enough to have like they have not merited the idea of a marginal upgrade coming at the expense of their future at this point. And LeBron's 37. Like it's not I know everyone wants to make the comparison to the 2017-18 Cavs where he kind of sulked and maybe dogged it on the court as a way of sending the message to the front office. And they eventually made some moves that helped that team get to the finals. But this is not that situation. Like they're not playing in a broken down Eastern conference and LeBron is four years older now. Like it's, it's a much different situation. And again, like I've been extremely impressed with the way that LeBron has played for the most part of the season. I mean, the guy is competing for the scoring title in his 19th year. Like it's, it's ridiculous, but also as much as like, he is probably the very last item on the list of like things that are wrong with the Lakers this season. I think his defense has been terrible. Like he's been a part of the reason that this team has not defended at a high level uh, for pretty much any part of this season. And like, you can say that's understandable. He's 37. He's carrying a huge offensive load. But that's also part of the reality that I feel like he needs to be willing to accept where like, yeah, you're 37. And unless you're going to be able to play like your 27 year old self, I, I don't think that it would be realistic for the front office to look at this team and say, hey, we're kind of just like one move away. And it's worth yeah. giving up basically like the lone piece of draft capital we have left in order to marginally improve this roster. Like it's it just wouldn't have made any sense. And so the way that he has seemingly reacted to that inactivity, despite it being very clearly the sensible thing to do, just put me in a bit of a lather because (laughs) I don't know, man, it's, I just think it's a bad look. Do you not, do you not agree? Like it's obviously he's not going to come out there and say, you know what? Pushing for the Westbrook trade was the wrong decision. Like right. He's not going to do that, A, because he's always sort of pushed back against the idea that he is like a shadow GM. And B, Westbrook's still on the team, so he's not just going to go and like yeah. throw him under the bus. So I understand him not doing that, but I feel like there should be some measure of accountability and just like some public show of faith and support in his team and say, look, like we think we have enough here. We're happy with the team we have. Even if anyone can see through that and know that he's lying, just as a public show of faith in the rest of the team and say like, we all need to be better, you know, as opposed to this, this whole kind of dog and pony show where he's very clearly making it known that he is frustrated with the front office. And that might lead to him like taking his talents elsewhere. Yeah. I think too, there's like the lack of self-awareness again on the personnel side is is kind of unbelievable when like he knows okay yes to, to your point he has always tried to dispel the notion that he is a shadow gm but he knows the power that he wields and has wielded over teams in the past and the power he's wielded over the lakers when it comes to personnel moves he knows the track record there he knows what acquiring russell westbrook 
did to this team. Again, it wasn't the be all end all and the reason, the reason they are where they are, but it's the biggest reason if we're being honest. And for him to like have all of that in the past and like know where all this got him, especially in LA and to still look at it like, I can't believe they're not listening to me and doing what I want. It's like, dude, you're essentially asking them to push further all in on your mistakes to undo your mistakes. Like it, 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 it makes no sense to me. And I get it that when you reach the level of LeBron James, which few human beings have reached, maybe the self-awareness with things you're actually not good at isn't top of mind, but it is a stunning lack of self-awareness. Again, when it comes to the personnel side of things and the Lakers are in a bind, I've said it, you know, countless times over the course of the year, I'll continue to say it as evidence of how ill-fitting and just poor this team is and, and has been LeBron James and Anthony Davis shared the court for 546 minutes this year. The Lakers lost those minutes. The minutes that they used to win by like 9, 10 points per 100 possessions where you could always say, those two guys are on the court, they basically perform like the best team in the league. Not this year, they perform like a losing team, even with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court together. That's the team you've built. Yeah, and I think there's also been this idea, which I I think makes actually a lot of sense, which is that if they wait until the offseason they can put that 2027 first rounder on the table as well as their 2029 first rounder. So they'll actually have two first rounders to trade and that can maybe put them in the market for like a meaningful upgrade. And then they go into next season with like a clean slate. Whereas, you know, pushing any chips in on this season, which is just looking increasingly like a loss season, especially now with this latest AD injury, just wouldn't have made any sense. And that's just another reason why I can't really understand why he's posturing in this way. Like it, again, it just feels like a bad look to me. And I'm, this in no way changes how I feel about LeBron as a player who is, you know, at worst, the second best player of all time, right? But I'll say, and I've always kind of, when people bring stuff like this up and say like, this is why LeBron can never be the GOAT, I always sort of roll my eyes but like if someone were to bring up this particular example and say this is why lebron can't be the goat i don't know i might not roll my eyes so much you know what i mean it's just i i think it's like pretty whack behavior and and like the the lack of accountability um is i don't know man it's just rubbing me a little bit the wrong way so and and that's without even getting into the brawny stuff which is a whole other can of worms that makes me a little bit uncomfortable for a bunch of different reasons the last thing I want to say before, if we want to touch on the Bronny stuff, but also the praise of Sam Presti makes zero sense here. Okay. It is obvious that he is passive aggressively trying to throw a shot at Rob Palinka. And again, fair enough. Like Presti, Palinka, two different planets as NBA executives. But LeBron went on the whole tangent about how great of a drafter Sam Presti is and how great of an eye for talent he's got. But LeBron James is also the guy who in a bid to take a shot at Rob Plinka just last week or two weeks ago was sharing the picture of the Los Angeles Rams, I believe general manager at the championship parade, wearing a shirt that said, fuck them picks. You know, there's like the classic Michael Jordan meme, fuck them kids. The Rams general manager, of course, after the Rams won the championship following going all in, if people aren't aware of, of, of NFL stuff, the Rams traded a bunch of picks, went all in, for last year and it worked they won a title um and it's also very rare in the nfl for teams to trade that many picks because draft picks in the nfl are more valuable blah 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 but the point is 
LeBron shared that image. And I think he even captioned it with something along the lines like, my kind of guy. And it was very obvious that he was taking a shot at Palinka, you know, around the same time that the Lakers didn't want to give up the first round pick they can trade five years from now to turn Westbrook into wall. And LeBron puts that up. My kind of guy. Fuck them picks. And then a week and a half later, you're also trying to send a shot to Palinka by talking about Sam Presti. Are you kidding me? You want to, you're, on one hand, you want to say fuck them picks. On the other hand, you want to talk about Sam Presti, who at the moment would take a guest spot on PTR if it meant he got another like second round pick out of it. Like, come on. Like, yeah, you'd can't... be looking to flip Anthony Davis for, for draft capital. Right <laughs> exactly. Now. Exactly. So it's just, it's kind of another example of. You know, LeBron having his agenda and trying to get his point across, but doing it in just this very nonsensical way that doesn't add up. Like your two points here don't add up. The comparisons you're making don't at all mesh. Um, And then, yeah, in terms of the Bronny stuff, look, I'll be honest, man. I I just see it as a guy, as a dad, trying to ensure that his son gets drafted because projections have it. I mean, it's early. He's probably two years away from the draft, but early projections have him as more like a second round pick. An NBA draft pick, yes, but a second round type talent. If... You have a team in the late 20s, you know, of the first round a couple years from now. And chances are, if a team is in the late 20s, they're probably a contender. And if LeBron is still playing well, and they know that, hey, we draft Bronny. Okay, we have to give Bronny, you know, a first round uh, guarantee contract, rookie scale contract. But we also get a year, at least a year of LeBron James when we are a quasi contender that might be one piece away. I do think that could sway things. And, and. Have a you team. think it? You think he would last until the twenties if there was like a guarantee from LeBron that he was going to sign with whichever team drafted him? I don't think he lasts that long. Are you kidding? I think it depends think- what LeBron looks like in two years, man. Like two two years when you're thirty seven. Like the difference between thirty nine and thirty seven, as great as LeBron is, is still pretty stark. Like yeah, well, th- and this is this ties into the mo with LeBron is he goes to your team, you immediately become uh, everything on the table, all chips in the middle, win now type of team. You mortgage whatever future assets you have to mortgage to improve the team in the present day. That is what happened in Miami. It's what happened when he went back to Cleveland. It's basically what happened in LA. But the reality is he's 37 now, right? And so it just doesn't, especially with the team struggling the way that it is, it just doesn't make sense to do that to the same extent given where he's at on the aging curve. And granted, the aging curve is clearly different for LeBron than it is for anybody else who has come before him. Uh, like what what he is doing in his 19th season is unprecedented, but uh, you still have to take that into consideration. And that is obviously going to play a part. But I just think like if he is even 80% of what he is now, yeah. let's say like the Orlando Magic are sitting there with like the eighth pick in the draft and they know they're getting LeBron if they draft Bronny. Like I, I think it would be pretty hard for, or, or like the Kings, a team that, you know, is not only struggling in terms of like its on-court production, but just in terms of like its cultural footprint, like its ability to draw stance, its relevance. Like that's, that would be really, really hard to pass up. So I, I would be surprised if that is actually the situation we find ourselves in, in 2024, if Bronny slid even out of the lottery. Like I, I just, as a broader point, like it's, it makes me uncomfortable because Nobody seems to be asking, like, is this actually what Bronny wants? Right. And I feel like... Well, do you not want to spend the first year of your professional life with your dad? Yeah, with your dad, just like like lording over you. Just, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe, I I don't know what their relationship is like. Maybe that is what he wants. 
but I feel like some of what we know about Bronny is that he kind of wants to distance himself from LeBron and like forge his own path, which I don't know that LeBron saying, I'm going to go to whichever team drafts my son to make sure that, you know, that we play together, also help his draft stock, maybe also pull some strings and make sure that he gets some more playing time. Like what if in that scenario, let's say it's in, in Orlando or Sacramento, right? And that team drafts Bronny like in the top 10. And he is more of like a second round talent. And maybe he needs some time in the G League to like help develop in his first season. But LeBron is there. Like, are they going to send Bronny down to the G League? Well, while, like to, to basically defeat the entire purpose of LeBron being there in the first place. And then LeBron is just toiling away in his age 40 season on like a going nowhere Kings team. This is why I'm saying it's like, it's a, a ton of pressure to put on his son be unclear if it's like even remotely what his son would want like to play his first season essentially in his dad's shadow with all the like charges of nepotism that are surely going to come along with that and c just like has the potential to be really awkward and uncomfortable for for the team and and for braun and brawny as well like for everybody involved it has a chance to to be like pretty uncomfortable so Absolutely. The one thing I'd say, though, in in terms of the hypothetical um, scenario you put out there is if that's the case, if that's what happened and Bronny reveals himself as a second round talent and needs to get sent down to the G League, what would happen is LeBron would trade his ass and a future first round pick so that Sacramento or Orlando could acquire like 34 year old Dame Lillard at that point or something. That's Uh, Uh, but the thing I think will be interesting, and we can get out of here after this because I know uh, we've already taken more of your t- time off than we were supposed to. But the thing I think will be interesting is like is where the threshold is in that twenty twenty four draft for Bronny. And like, yeah, to your point, if it like you know an Orlando, a Sacramento, one of those teams is sitting there at eight nine, it's going to be tough. But again, at the same time, like they're going to have to measure whichever team it is. You're going to have to measure if you have the sixth pick, the eleventh pick, whatever it is. I know that chances are. If you pick Bronny there, it's not, it, it, the chances are you're not passing up on like a legend to do that. Right. And then you're going to have to regret it for a long time, but you know, there have been drafts that are deeper. There are plenty of examples of very good players, all-stars guys who become superstars being drafted later. Like you have to measure where you are in your building um, progression and like what you'll get out of LeBron in that say one niche year versus what you'll get over, you know, three to five years plus drafting the better player rather than Bronny. Because again, yes, like that's why I was saying, you know, teams in the 20s who would say coming off like a 50 win year, you really are maybe one piece, two pieces away. Yeah, in that case, if you have a year of LeBron and it actually gives you a chance to win a title, I think that makes up for any difference in Bronny and the actual better guy there over the next three to five years. But if you're like a... 42 win middle of the pack team or a losing team and the difference is like LeBron will make you relevant for a year and maybe you like win a round but you gotta also purposely draft a guy that you know is not the best player available at that spot in that case I don't think it makes sense really the Kings winning a round they would do anything to win a playoff (laughs) round are you kidding Come on. <laughs> Again, I the Kings are, are a very special case. I just mean in general. I think those that's those are the it questions. It only takes one is what I'm saying. And yeah. one of those teams, you know, whether it's the Kings or like the Wizards or 
the Magic, like a team like that, one of those teams is going to be drafting in the lottery and is going to have an opportunity to make themselves relevant, even if it's only for one year and even if it's only for the sideshow of LeBron and Bronny being there. Like some team is going to jump on that. So I don't know. I, I just I just thought it was uh, it was a lot. Um and, uh, it, you know, it forced me to pay attention to All-Star Weekend in a way that, you know, I prefer not to. So that's why I had to come on and just vent about this. And I appreciate you giving me the time and space to do so. But uh, I think I'm tapped out and uh, should no probably, worries. you know, get back to my actual responsibilities. Yes. How, how are daddy duties going? <laughs> They're good, man. It's, uh, it's definitely a change of pace. I would say I'm not really any less exhausted than I was before. Still got my hands full, but I've been really enjoying it. Um, loved your last pod uh, with Mason Ginsburg. Thought that was a great sort of temperature check on the Pelicans. And I feel like the temperature has only been ratcheted up since then. So, uh, yeah, no, no, uh, don't worry. Crisis averted. Uh, Zion Williamson posted on Instagram a picture of Jackson Hayes and Willie Hernan Gomez. And everyone in New Orleans seems to think, all right, he's bought back in. He said that the seventh and tenth men on the team are his dogs for life. Don't worry, everybody. Zion's all in. Yeah. Well, for all that, I still kind of feel like this ends, or at least the sensible thing for all parties would be for the Pelicans to put that max extension offer on the table this offseason, maybe with some some injury-related caveats yes. um, and clauses, but like to put that max offer on the table and for Zion to take it. Like That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be there for the life of that contract, but that still seems like where this is headed to me, but... Who the hell knows? Um, anyway, you did a great job with that. I enjoyed listening. Looking Appreciate forward that. to uh, your guest next week, which uh, you've already told me about. Very exciting. Uh, and yeah, man, um, just keep killing it. And I, I, I'm i hoping that this is, this is the last time I'm going to have to come on here. Yes. Event because, Hopefully uh, LeBron stops pissing you off. <laughs> yeah. Um, also looking forward to you logging 26 and a half minutes of loo time after you get off this. That's the real this. reason I'm on yes. here, right? <laughs> um, you you want to hop off or you want to hang on while I do the fan shout out? I'll hang on for the fan shout out. Fan shout out this week goes to Kaylin, uh, who reached out on Twitter, where she can be found at K underscore Norton. Listens from Nova Scotia, has been listening from 2019, says she loves the work Wolfon and I do, and that our podcast chemistry is unmatched. Kaylin, we appreciate you. That that unmatched chemistry is why Wolfond, like Al Pacino in Godfather 3, when they even when he's out, I pull him back in because of that just unmatched podcast chemistry. But no, seriously, thank you, Kaylin, for supporting the show. Thank you to everyone who supports the show, whether it's uh, an hour and a half or 25 minutes. Usual call out. If you're a fan of Pound the Rock, reach out on Twitter at Joseph Cacharo at Joey underscore W-Y-O-U. Joe.Wolf on at the score.com. Joseph.Cacharo at the score.com. Joe underscore 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 cash on Instagram. Let us know how long you've been listening, where you're listening from, and we will get you a future shout out. Until one of those future episodes, for Joe Wolfon, I'm Joseph Cacharo. Pound the rock.